Chris, it's wonderful to be back in the studio with you again. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, truly. And having to nerd with you for a while. Geek out. Geek out around our most passionate and favorite subjects. Yeah. yeah. What is that? What is that, my no, Ice cream? <laughs> but uh, this is not such a favorite subject for you, no. right? Mm. You've no. just written a book about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we want to really dive into the discipline, right? And we want to um, talk in a bit detail about, first of all, the environment in which we operate in. How does that environment look like? The yeah. complexities of that yeah. environment, right? Yeah. Um, we want to also describe a little bit about when you're in that type of complex environment, what happens, Yeah. right? We want to give some real kind of and what examples do you need to and what well. do you need to do and mm. what's the consequences yeah. when you're in this environment, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then we're going to also talk a little bit about, okay, so now that we understand the complexities of the environment, mm. we now understand w w the consequences of those complexities. How do we propagate that you then operate in that environment, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So those are kind of the things we wanted to really yeah. geek into today, right? Yeah. Yeah? For sure. Cool. So uh, you are, I think, one of the best at explaining this. Do you want to kick off by talking about the three we call them change drivers, mm. complexities. Right, that, that our clients are having. That our clients are having, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to kind of start off yeah, by just sure. describing them so, and then we can dig into them a bit? Yeah. So most of our clients have a few things in common. Mm. They target a finite market. Mm. And a finite market is uh, sounds very academic, but it's another word for an oligopolized traditional industry. Mm. So any industry that's been there for a while has consolidated. Mm. Bank and finance, grocery retail, oil and gas, transportation, all of those industries and a gazillion of others are oligopolized. Mm. They've been in a relatively static state for a while mm. and then they consolidate. Mm. Uh, an example of a market that has been finite but is now infinite, mm. almost, is um, energy tech. Mm. So. Not the utility side, that's still consolidated, mm. but energy tech. So before you had a steady state around Hitachi, Siemens, GE, and a few other really big energy tech players. And then the green transition came, mm. and boom, it's an explosion of vendors. Mm. In. And just, just energy storage, there are 800, in, in even a subset under energy storage, 800 in the world, lithium-ion providers. Just Eight. lithium ion. Just, lithium just ion. nothing else. Yeah, 800. So mm. people think it's just uh, Veracore, North Vault, and maybe Panasonic. No, 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 800. And, and, and that's an example of a, a market that has been finite but now exploded into mm. very fragmented. Mm. And so, so having a finite target market mm. is, is key, a key one. Uh, another one is to have high complexity. So when you're... Deal-making involves several hierarchical levels. Mm. Typically out of strategic reasons or, or the, the difference between budget and sign-off level, budget on one level, sign-off level, mm. several floor-ups, several floor-up, uh, or strategic importance, mm. um, then you need several hierarchical levels, but also several functional areas mm. um, like logistics, procurement, finance, legal, blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, and then the third one, third complexity is that your offering is relatively complex. Mm. Um, 
to the extent that a new salesperson can't come in and after two months do the entire yeah, sales yeah. process. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, and then the last one is that the complexity on the customer side is very high. The tricky KPIs, tri tricky organization, tricky processes, tricky surrounding mm -hmm. systems that you are coming into. Uh, and those four complex, four complexity lead to what we call the rainmaker dependency, mm. where we have seen zero exception mm. to having a dependency on a small amount of people when you have those complexities. And that and, impacts your scaling because yeah. you're so dependent on a few individuals. Yeah. And, you know, in, in, in a scale up, it could be the founder yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or maybe one more person, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also because of the complexity that you just described. Yeah they also can't manage too many parallel no, deals exactly. in one go. No, yeah, exactly. So first of all, you can only manage a few deals. Mm -hmm. The sales cycles are extremely long, yeah. right? And you're dependent on a few people. Yeah, yeah. And right? it's accelerated further when the customer has, which many of our customers have, a new category. Which so, is the third. Yeah, when you introduce a new category, uh, uh, imagine having a skyscraper that illustrates the buying organization. Yep. And just for the sake of illustration, you have owners, board, C-level, VPs, directors, managers, mm -hmm. blah, 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 all the way down to mm -hmm. Stefan on floor minus three. Uh, famous Stefan. Famous Stefan, yeah. How did uh, we end up calling him Stefan? Why no, not? No, it could have been Peter or Lisa or whatever. Yeah, it's just picking <laughs> me up. Yeah, yeah. So whoever listening, uh, uh, call Stefan. We, we're not talking about you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Unless you are a Stefan. Yeah, exactly. The, well, there are Stephans yeah, that are Stephans. There are Stephans, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so when you sell a new category, uh, so, so when you sell an established category, let's start there. You, you, it's, you typically come in at the middle management level. There's someone that's been delegated a task to do. Uh, For example, you're selling a CRM. Yeah, CRM. Or, or Yeah, exactly. Or um, mm, a plane ticket with an airline. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, just raw steel. Yeah. I mean, no one is saying, no, for this car, we shouldn't use steel, we should use plastic in the frame. No, it's an established, I mean, they're moving yeah, hands yeah. in that as well. But an established category is purchased differently than a new category. Mm -hmm. An established category is purchased typically through an RFI, an RFP, and then there, it's a lot about differentiation. Mm -hmm. It's a differentiation game. Mm -hmm. Whereas a, a new category... You need to sell typically higher up because mm. people higher up are the only ones that can change an existing budget, for mm. example. They can make changes required to, mm. to all, all, all of a sudden swallow a new category. So you need to succeed by selling a new set of problems. You need to sell against the other competing categories and subcategories. Exactly. So in a CRM, for example, I never need to convince senior management why they should invest in, a, in some type of CRM. Yeah, no, it's it's already... Mature everybody yeah, knows yeah. they need yeah. it, right? But if it's a new category, mm. I actually have to convince some of the senior decision makers yeah. why they should either, instead of a current category that they're yeah. investing in, investing in new, or in parallel with yeah. the current category, yeah, invest yeah. in a new. And yeah. that's an, this kind of educational play around, around this. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And, and this is it, it, we, we don't <clears throat> go deep into that in, in this session, but that's why we have this W model. Mm. where you need to navigate the W model as, uh, as opposed to the last I in the W model with an established category, with a new category. You need to navigate the full W model. So, so with those complexities, you, you, to succeed in that environment, you need to, first of all, different to other environments, you need to succeed very high up mm. with it. 
hierarchical. Board, yeah, board, board, C-level, VPs. You need to succeed yeah. there because it's not enough to succeed no, on no. the middle management. Secondly, because it's need... very hard for them down here to set a new category. No, 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 they, exactly. Here. They cannot. It's, I mean, it's, it doesn't mean that these are not these are important as well. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But if if the top management is not involved. It won't happen. Yeah, and doesn't yeah. understand the new category no, no, no. or why they should choose that category versus yeah. an existing category, yeah. then it's, it's, oh, it's very hard. The second thing you need to succeed with is consensus at scale. Mm. Because you have the complexity uh, of the W, which auto automatically imply that you need so many more stakeholders on board, mm. it's more like a political political election. Mm -hmm. You need to win votes mm. and you need to do it at scale because if you do it with just sales efforts, mm. it takes forever. Mm. It takes just yeah. forever. And often, can I just add something? Often, um, it's not just about influencing a specific leader in a meeting. No. Because that leader then often goes to a team of people underneath yeah. them, yeah. a team of people in another function underneath them, yeah, yeah. and say, look, here is a new, they don't say new category, but no. here is a new offering that we haven't seen before. Right. Can you please evaluate mm against our existing way of working or existing category. Yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden you have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people yeah, yeah. who you haven't influenced underneath the person you've talked to yeah. that's now need, needing to make a decision mm -hmm. on something they know nothing about, yeah. right? Yeah. A very unscientific statement is like uh, selling an established category needs X amount of people internally. A new category, maybe 10X, at least five, yeah. five to 10X. This is yeah. not <clears throat> scientifically based, but mm, just yeah, yeah. Uh, based on experience. The, the third thing you need to succeed with is you need to accelerate the normalization of your category. So uh, in, in technology adoption, you have the, what's called the S-curve. You have a very little adoption early, and then it, it, it starts to accelerate, and then it flattens out. Mm. It can also be described as the bell curve, where you have early adopters mm. and an early majority, et cetera. So to accelerate the S-curve, you need to create normalization. So the audience need to, as fast as possible, think that this new category is common sense. Mm. And they need to think that it's more established than it is. Mm. Uh, so so you, you kind of, if you can accelerate that by one, two years, mm. uh, first of all, and if you are one of the front runners, the whole category benefit, but also you. So then you can really take a pole position and you can reach completely different revenues years in advance. Mm. So So... The key word is normalization. Mm. Yeah, and, and what you're referring to is um, the, the, the normalization of the category yeah. is that you need to attract the majority of the market to yeah. buy. And they are pragmatic in their way of buying. They are. Yeah. So they don't want majority. to be first, the majority. Yeah. They don't want to be first, no. right? But they don't want to be last, no. right? The FOMO is very effective. FOMO is effective. So when, when, the typical thing is like, we have this great category, this great solution. They go, that's great. Is anybody else using it? No. Well, call me. Yeah. when the rest are. Yeah, yeah. But then when they start to see people in their vertical or industry are starting to adopt this, mm. then they go, oh, oh yeah. we can't miss out, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 And, and that's what you want to... Exactly. And if you at the same time, so you create normalization around the category of feeling that, oh shit, oh, everyone is doing this, mm. we're left out. Mm. And at the same time, you're positioning your brand connected mm. to it. Then it's like you're vaccinating mm. the audience so that when competitors are coming in with the same pitch, they, they, they will hear every day mm. oh so how do you compare with x yeah 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 like, yeah, yeah 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 exactly good so one of the things that 
I, I think we see a lot mm. um, and we observe a lot is when you have this environment that you just talked about, um, especially the rainmaker dependency with the four complexities you described and the and the um, the building a new category. Mm. Um, what are the reasons why, apart from the fact that there are few people that can actually uh, do the rainmaking or, or mm -hmm. do the orchestration, and it doesn't have to be a salesperson, it could be CTO, CTO or CPO, CTO. etc. Yeah. Um, is that one, you're dependent on a few, mm. right? But one of the things that we realize is that, that when you finally get a meeting with a senior stakeholder, mm. there is a massive moment of truth. Yeah. Because if the person in that meeting cannot sell the category mm. and does what many, we observe salespeople do, they're much yeah. more comfortable talking about the product yeah, and yeah. the demo and things like That's this. It's a comfort zone. It's a comfort zone. Yeah. But if they can't lift the discussion yeah. higher up in what yeah. we call the decision tree, so yeah. what are the big challenges and problems yeah. that they're wrestling with? And why should they start making decisions around this new category yeah. versus or parallel with the current one? Yeah. If, they, if they're not comfortable in that dialogue, mm. that meeting dies. Right. And if that meeting dies... Can I double click on that? Yes, please. So, so uh, to, make it, um, to make a concrete image in your head, in a market where you have an established category and you, have, you can run a very V-shaped funnel... You put junior people in the front. They do the, the cold calling. They do the social selling. They fish up the meetings, have a qualifying meeting, and then you pull you in. That's fine in an infinite market with a mature category. Mm -hmm. In a finite market with an immature category, you need to swap the roles. So you need to put the senior people in the front because if, if you mess up the first meeting, there is no there second is no meeting. second yeah. meeting. Yeah. And you can instead have the juniors as your sidekicks. They're offloading the rainmakers. Mm. So you, you still use a team play, but the senior person leads. Mm. And we've seen so many cases where I even had a, a CEO in a fintech company the other day. Um, they just raised their A round and he started crying in the meeting where he, he said, well, what I haven't told the investors is that I have to be in all the important meetings. Mm. If I'm not there, it stops. Mm. I don't know what to do about it. Uh, and this is a kind of, they're not working with us yet. But uh, it's like I have this sales force and mm. I've made the investor believe that we are running this uh, as an equal team and that they pull their load. But in reality, they're not. Mm. It's dependent on me. It doesn't have to be one person. It can be two, three, four people. But it's, it's typically not more than that. But maybe triple click on that. You yeah. double click, not yeah. triple clicking on yeah. that. So, because this is really important. So, when how you many clicks can you have? <laughs> <laughs> so, when you when you have this scenario, yeah. the, the, the complexities that you described, yeah. and you're building a you're, you're yeah. building a new category, and you finally get the meeting with a senior person, mm. and the rainmaker who you're dependent on is not in the meeting. Mm. You're sending in a more junior person who can't handle the category discussion and influence at category level. Yeah. Um, you don't get, not only do you not get a second chance, mm. but you may have burned that for yeah, yeah. five, six years. They make up their mind and shut the door. And I, mm. I, I, you created a fantastic KPI. Mm. And why don't you just kind of talk a little about, about the yeah, KPI? Yeah. What, what, what do we call that KPI? And what's the detrimental impact if that KPI yeah, yeah. is high yeah. in a finite market? Yeah. Maybe you just. Uh, yeah, so, so what companies have done historically is that they measure uh, both number of meetings, they measure progression in the pipeline, etc. 
but if you only measure the positive KPIs, mm. it can look favorable yeah. to... Because you're getting many meetings, you get yeah, many meetings. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a short time yeah. push. You, you're pushing in a telemarketing firm or you're hiring a few SDRs and all of a sudden the meeting rate goes up. Can but, I just one parenthesis before you continue? Mm, Sorry. So, because I hear a lot, yeah, I get, I, I have this junior person getting me one or two meetings a week. Then my question is, but how many meetings, yeah. how many calls are they burning yeah. to get those two meetings? Exactly. Sorry, anyway. No, but that, that's the key, like... Uh, Let's say you get, oh, five new meetings per week. Yeah. You have to ask, ask a new question yeah. based on how many You're calls. not getting. <laughs> not, not how many attempts, but how, when you reach yeah. a person, yeah. how many turn you down. Exactly. If, if, that, if you get five meetings and you have had 35, 40 turning you down, you have actually short, midterm and burned those 35, 40. Mm. Because most people are, are very consequent. If they have said no... And you then reach out to them the next week. They'll go, Bora, what was it that you didn't understand? Yeah, exactly. And then you're, yeah. first of all, your status is, is down the drain. Yeah. And, and you have an uphill road to, to, to mm. climb. But you might not even get in for another year. Exactly. And if you have a finite, yeah, if you have a finite market mm. where um, 5, 10, 50, 100 companies represent 80% of the volumes in that market, it's very expensive to, to burn those bridges. Then it's yeah. better to build the momentum, etc. And you call it the BBR. Yeah, BBR, right. burning bridges rate. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you need to monitor uh, not just, oh, how many meetings did we get, mm -hmm. but also how many bridges did we burn. Exactly. So the burning bridges rate, the BBR. that's a massive yeah. consequence yeah. that many companies don't fully quite register and understand. No. And they're actually burning these bridges. Yeah, yeah. And effectively destroying their finite market yeah, yeah, yeah. which is horrendous yeah, yeah. like it's yeah. a train wreck yeah right yeah. so um but that also brings us to a another interesting principle which is we talk a lot about i, I think just to, to, to quadruple click on no <laughs> just the last comment so i, I think uh, most uh not most but many sales leaders that have built their success in an established category with an infinite market, mm. think that they can replicate those models yeah, good. into uh, a finite market with an unproven category. Mm. But those, are, those two games are so different. They talk about this. This is really important. Yeah, so they're so different that this model will not work. Mm. Because here you can have a gazillion of SDRs and, and you're building a wide funnel. Generating leads. You're doing the numbers game. Um, but... And you you have the first qualification meeting with a relative junior person, and then bring in the senior. But and that model is fine when the category is known. It's a known yeah. category, uh, and it's a very broad market. Yeah. So let's say I would work with sales at uh, Salesforce or someone like that. Yeah. I mean, they basically sell to anyone. That's yeah. then it's then and it's and CRM like you said, CRM is not quite. I mean, yeah, CRM. Yeah, we need, everybody no. thinks they Yeah, so CRM. it's more like which CRM. Yeah. It's not, yeah. should we have a CRM? Yeah. It's which it's yeah. CRM. Whereas in a, a... And even more complex if your brand is unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you add that complexity... Yeah. Finite market, new category, unknown brand, yeah. good luck, Chuck. Yeah. You cannot apply the same models, but I think the... the Versus a strong category yeah. in a mature market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is... And a strong brand. Brand, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, so, so those two games are very different, but I think the reason why... 
both many sales leaders and many sales people are failing when making the move from a proven uh, category and proven brand into an unproven category and unproven brand because here the game is different. Different, yeah. yeah. Um, and here, um, Jonas, our CEO, has kind of really framed the, the next principle, which ties to this really, really well. You know, he talks a lot about the Pareto rule and the opportunity cost, mm. because we continue to see, based on what you just explained, right, there's this, there's this belief that if I have the Rainmaker, mm. who is, I'm just making this up, can manage 2025 accounts and is Max, making progress, yeah, yeah? Mm. and making progress on some of these accounts. The logic then says, especially in the infinite game that mm. you talked about, mm. well, if I hire another five mm. salespeople, mm. that means I'll be able to 5x mm. that, yeah. right? Now, in the infinite game, that logic may make sense. It, 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 it's not even making sense. Sense there, the, I agree. But, but, but yeah, uh, there is theoretically. Some, yes, yeah. But when you do that in this scenario, mm. it's an absolute train wreck, yeah. right? Because... The opportunity cost of doing that yeah. is insane. Yeah, yeah. Because if these five people yeah. are burning bridge after bridge after bridge after bridge, mm. that the rainmaker, if they had been yeah. in that meeting or contacted that client, would have actually got to one or two of these deals to progress mm. and come and go. Yeah. That's in a finite environment is horrendous. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that we try and talk a lot about is understanding the Pareto rule. So. Mm. Uh, you know, focus on your most important rainmakers mm. uh, <clears throat> and be careful. Don't go and hire straight away a lot of salespeople that are going to go and burn no. this bridge, no. right? Um, because that's going to be more costly than you think. Yeah. And based on this, can you also now tie to this, explain mm. the sales model A and B that you talked yeah, yeah. about? Because yeah. that's connected to, to this scenario. Yeah. Two different scaling models. But be just before I do that, I think I, I mentioned sales leaders and salespeople. There's another, so there is a scenario where we very easily get understood. It's where the majority of the board has built new categories mm. or the founding CEO, et cetera, yeah, yeah. have also built new categories. They completely get it. They're mm. like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we understand. Mm. Whereas uh, um, I, I have a case right now where I think we won't get the deal. The CEO is fully on board, but the board all are coming from companies mm. with proven categories and strong they are brands, like maybe sorry strong brands yeah stronger brands and proven categories yeah. so, so they're they're there mostly because they understand the tech domain mm. but the go-to-market that they have been playing in mm. is different mm. than a finite new the category are very different yeah, yeah they're very different anyway so so there are two scaling models that, that we see and if you have the complexities that we talk about and the new category uh, and the finite market there are two, two scaling models. The first one is the traditional one, which has I have seen zero examples of this working, mm. but it's still being deployed again and again, is where you have the first few deals are made by the founder team, potentially a sec, like a, another person mm. as well that is not a founder. And then you go, cool, now we have proven the case. We have the first one to five, 10, whatever deals. Now we, we just need to, to duplicate ourselves with the sales force. And the keyword here is duplicate. Uh, and this model fails. So, so I meet so many, especially first-time founders, mm. the serial ones, they get it. They're like, mm. yeah, no, we know. We know this won't work, so they're easier. But the first-time entrepreneurs are, the, when, when I say to them, this model will fail, they, I think they think I'm arrogant. But I say to them as well, if you're humble enough, 
we will speak in a year. Hmm. Because this will fail. You will have, you've recruited 10 salespeople now. You will, you will have fired nine of them. One might be successful. Mm. And it has costed you several million euros, dollars. Mm. And, and not just, lost, not just and the opportunity. Year, yeah, not the just the opportunity year. cost of paying for the salespeople, but the opportunity cost of the scaling. Yeah, the timing. And the burning yeah. of the bridges yeah, yeah. for the client. And the, oof, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so that traditional scaling model, and it's even where it's accelerated if this company on top of it want to go into a few new countries, what they do, which is an extra bad idea, mm. not only do they try to duplicate themselves with salespeople in their own office, mm. they recruit local teams yeah. in a few different countries. Uh, and the, the, cons- just the consequence here is, uh, and people listening to this will recognize this, they're like, so even people in the same office will go, Bora, 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 the customer is asking difficult questions. What should I, here's the email, what should yeah, I answer? Yeah. Or can you come with me to the next meeting? Yeah. It starts to be super complicated. So actually these sales hired guns yeah. are bogging down yeah. the rainmakers to the extent that not only will they not increase the revenue, they will decrease the capacity of the rainmaker. So because bog, they can make less meetings. Yeah, can, yeah, exactly. So, so and in the satellite office example, it's even worse because not only do you have hired guns, they're not even sitting near you. So, so they're sitting there in Germany, US, whatever. And they're like, Bora, Bora, uh, I have this meeting. Can you, can you fly down to Frankfurt or can you come over mm-hmm. to Washington? Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, the, the second scaling model, which is the one we propagate. So the first one is you have the, just to be clear, you have the founder. Mm. And then when you're founders. Founders. Yeah. And then when you realize you're oh, Maybe now we're, one more person. Yeah, now we're getting some traction. Mm. You go directly into hiring more salespeople. Yeah. That's the model number three. And duplicate yourself. Duplicate yourself. Yeah. Okay. Now. What we're saying is that, and it, it's super, it works really well. We're saying, no, don't duplicate yourselves. Scale yourselves. Mm. That's the keyword. So duplicate versus scale. Mm. So here, instead, what you should do, you, you do the first few deals on bare force, mm-hmm. uh, conviction, mm-hmm. you know, like in the first model. But then instead of duplicating yourself, you're scaling yourself. So the key in the second model is to you still do the first few deals with the founding team, potentially a, a new member that wasn't a founder. And then you want to scale the key people, not duplicate them because the duplication doesn't work. Mm. You want to scale them. And the two key things to do is one, you, uh, you can bring in new people, but they are not there to be duplicating you. Mm. They're there to scale you. So they would do the pre-work. Uh, so kind of a management consultant with X amount of year of experience, mm. kind of on the way up in the career, Some smart people. But they can be, uh, they can see a thrill mm. uh, in working with uh, with the founder team. Mm. So, so they are preparing the meetings. They're taking notes in the meetings. They're concluding the meetings, yeah. showing it to have I concluded correct. Yes, and then they they, they take care of follow ups so you can come into the next meeting again, gloves on, uh, things like that. So take things off of the rainmakers. The second key word is to scale the rainmakers with hyper targeted media. And social selling. So you, you need to 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 drive both the awareness, confidence, and trust with your finite market at scale, but you also need to drive the consensus at scale within this organization. So consensus you, influencing. Yeah, and, and and since it's a new category, you need to influence more people. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's more like political votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a political election. Yeah. 
and and that's a that's so hard to do with just manpower. Mm. So you scale the rainmakers with media, um, and then and then you you can take the leap from uh, the first few deals up to fifty, hundred clients even with that model. Mm. Uh, and we are using this. Uh, I, I do most of this. You do. We'll put less time on it. But we are not. You and I combined. We're not even a full time employee on sales. So. Uh, and we're scaling pretty fast. Mm. So, so uh, yeah, we're using, yeah. we're eating our own. But you had a final piece as well, which is the playbook. So once Yeah, so, so once you have scaled uh, the, the, the founding team, maybe one more person, et cetera, with media and people offloading mm. those, mm. then you can create a playbook and, and then you can recruit, recruit more salespeople. Yeah. But, but now you're at an established... Yeah, media machinery and an established yeah, playbook, but also an established customer base. So you're now at a point yeah. where you have quite a heavy list of logos, mm-hmm. the the category, your brand, your product, etc., are normalized mm. because both with a real traction and with a media traction, we've mm. built such a strong position in the market. Then we can actually have slightly inferior uh, non-magicians mm. doing the sales. Mm. So so. But, but the, the, the thing that companies tend to do, especially if they have a board that haven't been building new categories mm-hmm. in a finite market, et cetera, they want to duplicate the sales model that works for an established market. Mm. And you, you can fast track, track this because eventually you come into an established, you, you can accelerate the motion into an established market mm. with the rainmakers and the whole media play. Mm. And, and then you can use people that are not magicians. Mm. And, and I, I just want to kind of maybe finish up this section with, with one more area. Uh, again, I, I love the way how you, how you anchor names around concepts. You're probably one of the best in the world at it. But uh, we, I wouldn't say that. But yeah. I, it's important to, yeah. to, for the brain to remember yeah, yeah, things, yeah. it's important to yeah. Name, yeah, yeah. name things. Actually, I came up with this. It's called the paradox. <laughs> just kidding. It was Chris. Um, because uh, the the and you can you can add some more meat, but the paradox is really about uh, the finite market paradox. The finite market paradox, because mm. you you don't want STRs that are attacking um, the finite accounts and prospects, cold calling them, emailing them, mm. forcing a decision mm. when the market doesn't know the category, doesn't know the salesperson, yeah. doesn't know the message, yeah, doesn't yeah. know anything. Yeah. Because there's a high likelihood, much higher likelihood, even if you get two leads, you've burned yeah. fifteen twenty. So and for the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons. Mm. So the paradox is deferring the decision, right? Yeah. Deferring the decision yeah, exactly. by using what you just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So the finite market paradox says you make more deals and faster by deferring delaying decisions, which is counterintuitive, yeah. hence the word paradox. So, so uh, when you come with a new category in a finite market uh, and your brand isn't proven, et cetera, et cetera, y- you want to ask the question late. Hmm. Uh, and here not asking for the deal but Hmm. asking for any kind of decision and a meeting request is asking for a decision Hmm. like you said if we do a cold call or cold email or cold email we're actually forcing the client Hmm. to say yes or no before they know the category your brand your solution and you personally then they will very like you said. And the brain like computes quickly. What is yeah, this person yeah, talking yeah. about? And they don't know the yeah. category. They don't yeah. know what talking about. I'll click. I mean, both you and I, are in, in, I mean, we're, we're still a, a relatively small company. We've been approached by this yeah, every yeah. day, yeah, by yeah. email, phone yeah, calls, email, email yeah. yeah. And 
we've never heard about the company. We've never heard about the category yeah. or, or we've heard about the category, but you know, yeah. and then we just go, no. Yeah. Whereas if, if it's a, 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 a company, a category is known, a brand that is known, and we even know that person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen him or her a lot. Yeah. They don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I've even seen seen him or her on my LinkedIn account, and we reach out for for a meeting. Then the answer is very likely yes, yeah. because all of a sudden it's someone that you should know. Yeah, yeah. You kind of your brand says, "I know this person. I think I know their category. I'm already educated about it." Mm. Of course, we should meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you uh, one interesting example, and we, and we this happens all the time because we're using our own machinery, yeah, yeah, we're eating our yeah, own yeah. dog food. Yeah. But I had an SMS about two, three weeks ago from a, a CEO of a company who said something like, um, "I'm in the the domain you guys talk about, uh, and we're struggling, and I would like to meet you." So I mm. called him up and I talked to him and I said, "How did you? Yeah. How did you know about me?" Mm. And he first said, "Well, actually, your the book." Mm is outside of my office. Right. And then I said, and, and then I said, okay, but anything else? Yes, I've been following you. Mm. I've been seeing your ads. Mm. I've been uh, mm. following you on LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, I've seen your videos. Mm. I've seen, I've never met the guy. Mm. I, right. I didn't even know who he is, mm. right? Mm. But back to your point around, now it's not like everybody always calls you. That, mm. That's not the point. Mm. But the point is that by using that machinery and mm. positioning your category, the problem you're solving and mm. directionally how you're solving that problem, mm but all these different touch points in the ecosystem yeah. makes them warmer. So when you defer the decision mm. and it's actually time to talk, mm. they're not coming to you going, I don't know who you are. I don't mm. know your category. Mm. I, I, go away. Exactly. I don't know your company. Yeah. Now it's like these guys seem to be onto something. Yeah. I, I want to at least talk to them. And the follow on effect is if, if when that person turns around internally says, so I met Bora from Mega Deals. I'd like us to, 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 to meet them with a bigger group. Mm. He or she is not meeting a cold. He or she is not meet, facing a cold. Mm. He or she is hurt hearing, yeah, Mangadils, I, yeah, I know a lot about them. They seem to be really good. And I, I personally even know Bora, which they typically say is not necessarily true, but they mm. feel they know yeah. you. Uh, and then the follow-up meeting is, is very easy. There's another consequence, which is really cool. So if you create a, celebrity status around not just the company but around the key people what happens on the customer side is that more senior stakeholders mm -hmm. want to meet you mm -hmm. because they're like oh yeah that person i know about mm. three things we need to achieve senior stakeholder engagement consensus at scale and normalization of the category yeah so so and the brand so all of a sudden we thanks to a stronger company brand category and personal brand mm the senior stakeholders want to engage with you yeah, yeah. because they're like, yeah, okay. They feel, they feel uh, VIP'd mm. to get to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris, we've been geeking around the three complexities that um, these type of, uh, of companies have, yeah. right? The, um, uh, the, the finite market, the rainmaker dependency and building a new category. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time discussing what that looks like, the problems that they encounter, mm. what ideally what not to do and, and how... To scaling models. To scaling models and so on. Maybe it's time now to shift to, okay, so what should we do in right. this environment right. in, when you have these complexities, yeah. right? And I think before we start to talk about um, what we should do mm. and how what we've built our mm. whole company on yeah. to help companies that have these complexities, right. I think it would be useful. I always find it so inspiring 
to kind of take a step back and, and listen to how you got here because mm. you have you've been in this domain all your life right and you've all your life being as extremely analytical as you are you started to depict where you see that you've always seen that companies that have these three complexities over and over again fall into the same problem and the same trap right and you've also worked with some of the best mega dealers on yeah. the planet yeah. in fact you've deep interviewed them for the book so I've worked worked with many worked of them, with yeah. many of them so mm-hmm. a combination of of immense experience in seeing this and working with some of these kind of, you know, Navy SEALs yeah. <laughs> within this arena, um, you've kind of landed in, uh, landed in where we are today. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to just for you to share that journey before we talk about yeah, yeah. how should we operate when you have mm. these three complexities. Right. Well, well um, it, it all started by me selling software at an early age into mm. big companies and I, I made the scaling mistake of recruiting salespeople and mm. had to fire all of them and, and took one as my sidekick and mm. I, I've done all of that and, and, and that actually in my first company led to that plus I was not a good CEO uh, led to us bankrupting so mm. we failed the company luckily we could restart it and then it became very successful but we did fail the mm. first attempt and I lost a ton of money and Mm. shareholders lost money etc yeah. yeah. painful Pain. way of <laughs> learning yes yes but then uh, uh, also invented the first product not not the first thing in the accomplice marketing world because it's that started actually earlier in a in the consulting space but we built the first accomplice marketing product mm. uh, in the world uh, 2007 a few months before demand base and a few others and mm. uh, so I did that 10 years. That, that was a VIP ticket into some of the largest deals in the world mm. because we were specialized around really large deals. Mm. Um, a few other ABM players were more like yeah, other kind of deals, but we were really into the large deals. Um, and then I met, as you said, uh, some of these serial mega dealers. Mm. Working uh, with some of the top yeah, over 100, companies of the over world. Yeah, over 100 Fortune 500 yeah. companies all around the world, but also a few hundred more like and you were in the trenches when they were doing so the you know the, the the SAPs of the world the Ericssons of the world were doing these multi-million dollar deals you were with them in the trenches in the war room right yeah exactly so so so, so most most of the companies we worked with you've heard about mm. so, so um, but the beauty was that we got engaged with their the top of the pyramid yeah. so they're absolute superstars yeah. so they're rainmakers yeah. because they exist also in big companies yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, that was super inspiring and and in that environment, I saw so many things that are not talked about in the sales literature nor the marketing literature. So led to us doing a book about it, deep interview at about 65 of these serial mega dealers. A mm. um, bit like good to great to see what do they do differently mm. compared to average mm. Joe. Uh, that led to the book and us and a few mm. others started a consulting company around it. That was very successful. Um, it grew very fast, but... Uh, first, we, we and we started off working with really big companies, uh, but we realized two things: the consulting model. Uh, well, the, the first thing we realized was that the thing we preached was too complex, so companies were breaking their backs because we. And I think we. Well, I think you need to do all of those, but we introduced them too fast, mm. so we stressed the clients to mm. death. Um, so we had to go back to the drawing board. 
So we, we both shifted from working with seriously large companies into startups and scale-ups because uh, I think it has to do with personality as well. It's quite fun to be able to do quick changes. Mm. To turn a, a, a Fortune 500 company around takes forever. Mm. It's good consulting fees, but... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we went down, we took, okay, everything we've learned, so both from my previous world, yours and others, the research, everything we've done in the consulting, we shrunk it down. How, how can we make this comprehensible, actionable, mm. and at the price point mm. that works for small and medium-sized companies? Yeah. And I think we succeeded with that, and, and that made us launch uh, launch uh, uh, a more product based offering, but with a human layer on top. That has grown like crazy yeah. since we launched it a year ago. So from 100k euro ARR to two and a half million euro ARR, and not even so, us together combined maybe one and a half sales day per week or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now we've increased it sli- slightly, but we're far from having to recruit salespeople. Mm. Um, we, we're, we're rather growing more massively with taking things off of us and adding even more media machinery exactly. in, our, in our own play. But um, uh, so, so when, we, when we also moved away from implementing the whole thing into making it actionable and at a price point that, that is... Uh, that works even for companies with five employees. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. five to yeah. hundred. I mean, we have others, but five to hundred employees are a sweet spot for us. Mm. And the price point is like one, one and a half, and two salaries, mm. and not very senior salaries. Mm. So we made it possible for companies, and this is I th- I'm very proud of. I think you are as well. Mm. For smaller companies to get a more sophisticated machinery than what IBM and others have. Mm. And for a price point that they can totally afford. Mm. Uh, because you, you can the things we do, you can do in the IBMs of the world, but then you have a whole team doing it. You have six, seven platforms. Mm. You have to shuffle data between all sorts mm. of platforms. And cost, uh, it's a huge cost. It's a huge cost. So you're looking at easily one to one and a half, two million euros per year mm. doing that if you do all of it yourself you buy the platform you do all the work yourself it's very very expensive we have shrunk it down much thanks to building a, a meta software so software on top of other platforms makes it, making it possible for us to execute it very very effectively and report yeah so across. both how to execute it and how to report on it so we're grabbing data from a lot of platforms making it understandable for a very uh high-level team and mm. our client organization. Yep. Um, and that you cannot get elsewhere, actually. So, so And also, not only... So, so we combined how to do sales, hyper-targeted media, social selling, but also with a fourth component of understanding the client. We've gotten all those four to work combined yep. in an orchestration. That's yep. why we call this new category deal orchestration enablement. Exactly which is kind of the next level after account-based marketing. Mm. And I think I can credibly say that, credibly say that because I started the world's first yeah, yeah. product. Space for yeah, I've been yeah. it for 10 years and I started the world's first product company in the account-based marketing space. And, but what account-based marketing failed at was it was, you hear it in the word account-based marketing. So it was sitting in the, the marketing function and 
It didn't involve sales, didn't involve social selling. Um, so you need to be able to orchestrate those. Mm. Um, and that's something we have cracked. And you, not only that, what you often see is that uh, when companies are doing it in-house, they, they, to, to influence the right amount of people, you need to combine so many words. You need to combine so many worlds. Some people hang out on LinkedIn. Mm. Some people read more newspapers. Some people are more on Instagram or Facebook. Mm. Some are hanging out on YouTube. Mm. We're combining all those media world, worlds in one mm. with one reporting, one execution. I've never seen that. Yeah. And since we can do it at a price point, including the work, mm. uh, I think that's apart from we having a sophisticated machinery that we're using ourselves, the mm. actual offering. Mm is very, very, very competitive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you say, um, we orchestrate that machinery, um, but the key thing you're also talking about, apart from combining uh, the, the platforms and the reporting, is doing it in tangent with, this, with the orchestration of the salesperson. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. so key, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's where a lot of yeah. these, yeah. a lot of the companies and bureaus yeah. fail, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like running a campaign here and a campaign there. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. completely in silos yeah. from, yeah. from the organization. So what, what typically, what's, since we're targeting more scale-ups, what they typically end up doing if they try to do it in-house, because it's so complex mm. to execute five media platforms, mm. other data platforms and all that, you, you, I mean, you drown mm. in marketing administration. Mm -hmm. So they fall back on, oh, but we're doing uh, some kind of ABM style on LinkedIn. Mm. But the, the problem is that... Uh, a lot of our clients, at least, uh, if you look at the whole stakeholder map in their clients, mm. the majority are not hanging out frequently on LinkedIn. So mm. you can't rely on LinkedIn. Only on LinkedIn. Yeah. No, no, I mean, they appear now on LinkedIn, yeah. but you need to mix it mm. with Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, news site like Wall Street Journal, um, New York Times, mm. uh, Swedish newspapers, Spanish newspapers. You need to mix all of that, but with hyper-targeting. Yeah. Mm. And you also need to... And as soon as you start to add, uh, as you say, a number of platforms, a number of techniques, yeah. now it starts to get complex because yeah. it's, one, it involves a media budget. Yeah. And two, you also need to know, when do I use what? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. No, it's complex. It's I mean, very complex. We even had in the beginning, we, we had growth issues ourselves when, even though our team was sitting here with us, mm. we, we had a, 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 a glitches between what they should do and what they did. So, so now it's uh, mm. well oiled. Mm. But in the beginning, we were, even though, especially myself, yeah, yeah. know this in and out, yeah, yeah. we had some issues doing it even for the clients. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you have an additional complexity, which we hear from our clients around GDPR. So you mm. also need to know how do I handle and manage the whole GDPR aspect yeah, of exactly, doing yeah. these type of things. Yeah, we're using and, so many things. So many in, things, in, in like, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and there's some very clear rules around GDPR mm. that you need to follow. So mm. obviously, kind of that's where our expertise yeah, yeah. Uh, around. And it's so much more than just pressing the buttons. Chris, we can geek on this for another couple of hours. Days. Days. Yeah. Marathon, yeah. right? But um, I think we should, we can do another session, but yeah. let's kind of round it off. Yeah. Uh, I think the way I would leave it is, um, Apart from the fact that it's so exciting how we've cracked, yeah. um, how we've cracked deal orchestration enablement mm -hmm. for companies that have these three complexities, mm -hmm. um, but we've also um, we've also put over a layer of what we call high impact management, right. which is what mm -hmm. our uh, wonderful CEO Jonas brings to yeah. the show. And 
<clears throat> this is really around how we then deploy yeah. the dealer acceleration yeah. enablement, right? And it's very targeted in a number of what we call high impact programs. Yeah. And we use what we call impact layers. Mm. Now, we don't have time to go into that today, but to leave a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's equally exciting. Equally exciting. It's, it's how do you use the machinery that we've mm. created to make sure that you drive maximum impact. On the most important goals for the company. In my company. So both on the pipeline that you're working on now, mm -hmm. how do you generate revenue fast? Mm. Number two, the existing accounts that you want to grow, mm. right? And how do you generate revenue and impact fast? And then you have the big group of, of prospects in what we call our target segment, where you want to build a brand positioning and your category dominance over time, yeah. right? How do you do that? Mm. Uh, and even a fourth program where many of the clients that we operate with are scale-ups mm. and they're also looking to continue to raise more capital. Mm. How do you target and also uh, position yourself? Prepare investors for the next round. Yeah. For the next round. So, yeah. so, so to finish we'll this We'll cover off, those next time. We'll cover those next time. So it's mm. taking the, the, the kind of the, 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 um, the, the offering that we've created mm. in companies that have these three complexities, but overlaying it with a very high impact yeah. kind of delivery model yeah. to help drive both short-term revenue, but also long-term yeah, yeah. capacity. Super. So that's for the next Great. episode. Thank you. Always. <laughs>